back in the boss man show with special guests candidate for public social commission district four here in georgia daniel blackman here with me daniel good to talk to you man how's life up there on this campaign trail as the runoffs coming up here on january the 5th early, early voting starting on monday man i'm doing good you know it's funny man I'm, I'm in a position where i can actually do this from my home today uh it's very rare that we get a chance to not be in macon or augusta or columbus or anywhere um, in many of our amazing cities in Georgia. And uh, I'm just really happy to have an, an opportunity today to be a part of this platform, brother. So thank you for allowing me to share my voice with the state and with your audience, man. I, I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You know, I also want to support brothers doing great for our community here in Georgia because we need to have representation by us all. So you're representing me yes, and sir. all of us who want to aspire and you care about the community. I want people to hear about this and turn out for you starting on Monday. You can go vote earlier, request your ballot by mail or make a plan to go vote in person. So I want to make sure people hear about you. So with this coming up here on Monday real soon, Daniel. Yes, sir. And, and brother, I, I'm going to have to bring you on the campaign talking like that. Hey, man, I'm a talker, man. I'm a talker, man. I'm a talker, brother. I can I can hype you up and get them going for you, man. I appreciate it, man. We need it. No, but I mean, I, I can't place more of an emphasis on that. Uh, it's, it's of the utmost importance for us to understand why this vote matters. Uh, we have to come back out in record numbers. We have an opportunity to garner the U.S. Senate. So I want to remind people of my friends, John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock, we cannot have a successful Biden-Harris administration without the U.S. Senate majority. And I want to remind people that this is the first time in almost 20 years that we will have a Democrat elected to a statewide office. And I'd be privileged and honored if you'd vote for Daniel Blackman on January 5th. So, I mean, this is, a, this is an important day, man. It's a, this is the, the, the starting point to the end of a very long marathon. And I believe we're going to do the right thing and get us elected. Yes, indeed. And Daniel, you are a voice for the, the voiceless. You know, a lot of us aren't into the energy world like you are, being in the environment, but you are a voice for the voiceless. Talk about that, Daniel, how you will be a voice for the people who don't have a voice. The Marginalized Communities in Vine City. You know, you went to CAU, you know how he is over there. And over there, also Southwest Atlanta as well, rural Georgia, you're from Columbus, Macon, BF County. So talk about how you'll be a voice for the, for the voiceless out here in Georgia. You know what? I, I don't know any other way. Um, I come from a family of immigrants. My, my, my father never made an excuse when he pursued his dream to uh, be a fashion designer. Um, he, he drove taxi cabs to supplement that income. And when he wasn't able to attain that, he enlisted in the United States Army and he retired as an Army Ranger. Uh, my grandfather immigrated here and was a diplomat to, got, to the United Nations um, and retired as Consul General of New York. You know, I come from a family that believes in giving back. Uh, my mother has always raised my brothers and I in a way where it, it reflects us uh, representing a household that was, you know, steeped in values and in, you know, certain ethics that we follow because you didn't want to bring embarrassment or shame to your house. And anyone who's listening to me right now from a Caribbean family knows exactly what I mean. You know, you don't, Caribbean families are very private, very strict, and they're very much about their community. So I say all that to say this, um, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, outside of Metro Atlanta, so I understand this state. I, I went to college at Clark Atlanta University, so I understand the city and I understand the lived experiences. And I live in Forsyth County, Georgia, where the population of Forsyth County is only 5% black um, and has a history of a lot of racial inequities uh, over the past 100 years. So I want people to know that I've lived in every 
corner of this state, North Georgia, South Georgia, Middle Georgia. I lived in Savannah for a while as the political director for Bernie Sanders in 2016. I've done, I've done the work. Um, and I want to say this to everybody on here, even if, if I wasn't on the ballot, if the name Daniel Blackman was not on your ballot, I want you to measure people in three separate ways. Number one, look at their track record. Anyone that says they want your vote should have receipts. Anyone that wants your vote should be able to point you in a direction or to an individual that can say, yes, that person showed up. Yes, that person did this. Yes, he went to school over here. We can't keep letting people that just that look like us get a pass to vote for us. So number one, I got, I got receipts. I've been around this state and people know my name, they know my face. Number two, look and measure a person by their value system. It's not just what they showed up for, but what they come through for. What are the things that people are consistent? If I jump out and I say I'm gonna run for public service commission now, and then I go get a, a, a position with Georgia Power tomorrow, you, you know my heart wasn't with the people, it was in the opportunity. So I would tell people, measure folks by what they're doing and the consistency in that space. And then lastly, I want you to look at the people around them. I think that your team says a lot about your integrity, a lot about your value, a lot about your leadership. There's one thing for me, Daniel Blackman running for PSC as a candidate, and then there's going to be another Daniel Blackman that's a commissioner. Campaigning and governing are two totally different things. Yes, and the important part to know about that is those who are around you are the ones that will help build, reflect, and cultivate the leadership that you'll have when you go from candidate to elected official. So I, I, I'm, I'm here, man, and I want people to know in the marginalized communities, I've worked with the Obama administration to work on environmental justice issues. I've worked with the EPA, especially my friend Mustafa Santiago Ali, who's one of the leading voices in the United States around environmental justice. I've worked with the interfaith group. I was invited to the Vatican in 2015. I worked with interfaith groups from around the world, not just in the U.S., and people like Reverend Gerald Durley, who's a civil rights leader and icon, but then also the president of Interfaith Power and Light. Um, I mean, the chairman of Interfaith Power and Light. So I want people to understand you're, you're getting a guy that comes from the community. I'm cut from the same cloth as many people that I desire to serve. And that's why we took a pledge not to take one penny from any utility companies regulated by the, by the Public Service Commission, nor will we take one penny from any of anyone in the fossil fuel industry because it goes against our vision of the future. So thank you for teeing me up on that on that question, brother. You know, I, I want people to know I am a guy for the people and that's, that, that's not gonna ever change because that's not how I was raised. And Daniel, this is a big point. Environmental issues and health issues go hand in hand. You know, our community is very sick. You know, a lot of diabetes, blood pressure, food deserts over in Vine City, of course, over Southwest Atlanta, Gresham Road, don't have what we need, right? Also, the, the environment and health go hand in hand. Speak on that, damn, because I think people don't really realize that. Healthcare and environment all hand in all works in that same cycle together, brother. Yeah, so first and foremost, I want people to understand that this issue that we're dealing with is a social justice issue. I don't ever want people to try and make a, 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 a that don't have a connection between environmental justice and, um, and, and, and policy making. That is a social justice issue. When, when, uh, when Eric Garner was put in a chokehold in New York, that brother said, I can't breathe. When George Floyd had the knee of a police officer on his neck, his last words were, I can't breathe. But black and brown kids in the United States haven't been able to breathe because of asthma for a long time. My son, my 16-year-old son, who's a standout athlete, um, has a coach on the sidelines for every game with an emergency inhaler. You know, and, and as, as, as great and as proud as, him, as I am of a, as a father, you know, it, it pains my heart 
to know I've got a kid that has asthma because of the air quality in the state of Georgia, the air quality in cities like Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago, Oakland, like in, in areas where our zip codes reflect our populations, we see adverse health challenges. Look at Flint, look at the Flint water crisis, yes, right? Indeed. Look at Juliet, Georgia, right now within Juliet, Georgia, when you have these issues that have happened. Look at Vine City and English Avenue that you mentioned with the repeated flooding over the last several decades. So we have to understand that one of the main reasons why COVID-19 has impacted our community so hard is because of um, two words, pre-existing conditions. We have been fighting with high blood pressure, yes. with diabetes, with respiratory illness, all these areas. So if you wanna know why our community is hit more and harder, it's because of the things that have been passed down that are in our families. And here's how that directly impacts the Public Service Commission. Let's just take diabetes, okay? Just as an example, you take diabetes. There's a man in Griffin, Georgia right now who is a diabetic. His power has been off for over 88 days. He can't refrigerate his insulin. So every day he has to go to a local gas station or convenience store just to get bags of ice to put in the cooler to make sure his insulin doesn't go bad. These are the things we're talking about when it comes to utility regulation because Georgia has the fifth highest electric rates in the United States and the eighth highest overall utility rates when you factor in gas, electric, cable, et cetera. We have the eighth highest in the United States. So I want people to know this is a pocketbook issue that affects our community and even more direct communities of color when it comes to energy equity, when it comes to fossil fuels and our impact, whether it's with cancer or other ailments, when you look at, and I'll end here on this question, but one of the things I really want people to pay attention to is the NAACP released a report several years ago called cold-blooded, not cold-blooded, coal, like the fossil fuel blooded. And they said that 68% of our community lives in proximity, in a 30 mile proximity to a fossil fuel facility or a waste, um, a, a, a waste management facility. That is a problem when we see more of a challenge with environmental issues on Bankhead and less of that issue in Buckhead. Most definitely. And Daniel, climate change, because you know, I have asthma as well, allergies, all, the, all, all those bad things, I have them, right? So climate change is so important, you know, and you know the other side does not really care about, they don't believe in science. So talk about cli climate change, how it's important for us to survive with our environment going crazy. We need to really get cleaned up, renewable energy, and save our climate. And also, it will create jobs for black and brown people in rural Georgia, middle Georgia, in North Georgia, in the mountains, all over the state of Georgia. We have jobs. We commit to this, not commit to things like Plant Vogel down there. Man, you keep on talking, I'm gonna have you on the campaign trail, man, because you, 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 you singing my song. Um, look, man, climate change is a very real issue. Um, I told you my family is from Barbados and sea level rise in the Caribbean is a very real issue. Sea level rise off the coast of Georgia is a very real issue. So I want people to understand that when we talk about climate change, we need to understand that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And our communities have been on the menu for far too long. When you look at climate change, to your point about the other side uh, uh, not listening to the science, who do you think is going to be impacted the most? I mean, let's just go back 15 years and look at Hurricane Katrina. That that wasn't white folks, right? Her, it was Hurricane us, Katrina, black and brown people. Black and brown people and poor whites in other parts of Louisiana. So this is an issue that is, has as much to do with race as it do with poverty. So I yes. want people to understand climate change and the impacts of climate change are far-reaching. For example, 
There was a study done by a climate project in the United States that partnered with us with several other environmental organizations and the Department of Justice. And what they found, they case studied Chicago. What they found was when, when the weather was hotter in American cities around the country, crime increases. I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's a no-brainer. But the, the science, the data proves that. So I want you to understand, when climate change increases, it's not just about the water, the sea level rise. It's not just about acidification, which is our fisheries being depleted because the oceans and the waters are getting too hot. It's not just about the landfills. It's not just about, you know, the, the bad or low air quality. It's about the violence that comes along with it. We saw what happened with Hurricane Katrina five, 15 years ago when yes. the looting started and the fight started and the crime started. Why? Because people were in survival mode. And I'm not making an excuse for, for criminal activity. What I'm saying is when, when the lights went out, when the water kept rising, and when people had nowhere to go, they went into a mode of, of survival of yes. the fittest. And we have to understand that the climate crisis, if not attained to, will compromise our grid. So I want you to think about this for, for, my, for my Republican brothers and sisters. Security is something that Republicans always talk about. They always talk about national security. They always talk about securing the grid. They always talk about hacking. They're trying to play with our elections right now, but that's not going to happen. But when you think of securing the grid, we have a nuclear facility in Georgia. What happens when, the, when extreme weather compromises the integrity of our two nuclear facilities in Waynesboro, Georgia? What happens? So we need to understand that there are security risks, there are safety risks, and we all know the safety risks have an adverse impact on our communities. We, do, we don't do, we no longer have federal funding for the Savannah River site, which means we're not testing our drinking water there. In Juliet, Georgia, even though this is not a climate issue um, problem, um, um, in Juliet, Georgia, the fossil fuels have, have emitted coal ash into the waters that aren't lined correctly. And now there's black soot and contamination when people turn on their sinks to put water in their baby bottle to make sure that their children can eat. So I want people to understand climate change is, is, a, is the tree, but the branches off of that tree are all the challenges we face as a society that have an impact directly on us, our family, our children, and quite frankly, our neighbors. Daniel, talk about one Georgia, from the mountains down to Savannah and the beaches, man. You got all of Georgia, so many different, the terrain here is so great and so unique. Talk about us being one Georgia, how you afford us being one Georgia. I'm gonna push back, man. I don't. I don't think we are one Georgia figuratively. I think. I think we are one Georgia in thought, meaning that yes, we all occupy this state. But I think that what makes us different makes us strong. You know, I spent a lot of time in coastal Georgia, man. Coastal Georgia is unique, man. You take about you know Chatham County and Glenn County and all these areas off the coast of Georgia. That is a unique pocket of people that are being left behind. But then when you look at rural Georgia, it's the same challenges, right? Rural Georgia and coastal Georgia are totally different, right? But they still are lacking the investment. See, a lot of times our, our Republican brothers and sisters like to say this one statement, Georgia is the best place to do business, right? That's not incorrect, it's incomplete. Atlanta, Metro Atlanta is the best place to do business in the South. But when you start talking about coastal Georgia, they've been left behind because of wireless broadband. When you talk yes. about rural Georgia, they're left behind because of wireless broadband and high internet, I mean, high utility rates. When you talk about North Georgia, where our brothers and sisters are, are in Rabin County, Dawson County, Lumpkin, Cherokee, Forsyth, where I live, you know, Hall County, these folks are being left behind. 
So I want people to understand that one Georgia is a good ideology to have as far as like where we would like to be. But if we don't recognize the differences in our in our state that offer opportunities, for example, why not um, explore uh, wind exploration off of the coast of Georgia and in the North Georgia mountains? Why not look at solar farms in areas around Georgia where hurricane after hurricane after hurricane has compromised the integrity of our landowners? Why not look at renewable energy as an option? And the reason why I'm asking you that question is because I have an answer. And my answer is we're going to activate historically black colleges in Georgia, Savannah State, Fort Valley State, Albany State, Clark Atlanta, Spelman and Morehouse. We're going to activate our uh, our historically black colleges, our technical colleges and our community colleges to be energy equity centers. We want to create spaces where we can bring in stakeholders in the community, civic organizations, churches, rate payers, rate makers. We're going to bring everybody together and we're going to start looking at opportunities because I don't want to be a part, a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I get six years to do everything we're talking about now. And what a black men uh, commission looks like is us activating our campuses to create a workforce of the future that is a clean, renewable, and green, and green future. It looks like our communities being educated so that when somebody says, we're going to raise your light bill, they're not sitting back paying it because they don't know a choice. We're going to make sure that when their light bill gets raised, they know why it's raised and they know who to go to to have a conversation about it. And then lastly, we're going to be a driving force in, in infrastructure for wireless broadband in the state of Georgia. And Daniel, you make a great point because the pandemic has exposed, Daniel, why that we need broadband here. It's exposed that, Daniel, because these kids are at home now doing virtual learning. Some kids don't have internet. They can't get to a school or a library. So the need to have broadband all over the state, rural Georgia, coastal Georgia, everywhere in Georgia is so paramount because it's exposed it where we're lacking right now with this pandemic. Man, it's going to be the hardest um, question I mean, answer that I give to a question um, because, you know, before being a candidate, I work with family offices and drive investment around the world. We, we focus on what's called impact investing, which is whether it's human trafficking, you know, funneling money to support the eradication of human trafficking or it's, it's fighting global poverty or it's the global climate crisis. You know, we've been on the front line of this with organizations like the United, the United Nations with organizations like the Sierra Club, with working organizations like the AFL-CIO, who I'm in, endorsed by. And here's what I'll share with you, man. The United Nations released a report earlier this year that says as of COVID-19, 290 million children globally have dropped out of school. And I said that slow for a reason. 290 million children globally wow. have dropped out of school. And here's why, because they lack access to broadband. We're not just talking about the United States. We're talking about a half, a, a, a half of a billion people, right, dropped out of school. 1.5 billion children globally lack adequate access to wireless broadband, which means that they're 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 competing, but they're not keeping up. So what do we what, what did we hear about when we was growing the digital divide, right? Yes. The technology gap, right? You said food deserts. I talk a lot about technology deserts. So here's what has happened with COVID. The education level for those who have access has done this. For those that don't, this is what's happening, right? And I want to put that into perspective. What that means globally is that we're now seeing the most marginalized of our community getting left further behind. Remember, they're already behind. 
yes. right? But now instead of losing space going up the ladder, they're now going back down further down the ladder, which means it's going to be harder for them to be able to, to, to proceed and be successful. In the United States, 50 million Americans don't have adequate access to wireless broadband and high-speed internet. And of that 50 million, 9 million are our children. So I said all that to say this. Let me, let me bring this home to Georgia. 88% of Georgia's prison population reach at a third grade level. 88%. We all know that folks in jail are poor folks. They're black and brown folks. They're people that live in certain zip codes where there are not parks and opportunities and jobs, and they end up going on the wrong track because of their education levels. What happens in a state where we're investing three times per inmate than we're investing per student? What happens in a state like that when they don't have access to wireless broadband? And I'm going to tell you what the numbers are in the U.S. right now. In the United States, the education level, uh, I'm sorry, the learning level has, has stabilized with reading since COVID-19. So we're not seeing reading scores drop. We're just seeing them stay, stabilize, which is not a good thing, but it's not bad. It's stable, but we're not seeing this uptick in the reading space. But here's where we're falling behind in. Science and math. Students in, in America and especially in southern states like Georgia are falling further behind in science and math because let's be honest, most kids are, are more hands-on in learning. So for a kid taking robotics or biology or science or mathematics, algebra, physics, these kids don't have access to readable, I mean to um to accessible online learning. And that is causing a tremendous issue. And I'm gonna predict today, and I hate to say this, but I, I wanna be clear. My prediction is that if the Biden-Harris administration is not able to get, the, to get us beyond this curve that we're in right now due to COVID-19, if we cannot have our schools fully active by the next um, calendar year, not the finish of this one, but by August, September of next year, my fear is that our children in this country that don't have access will have lost three to five years of productivity because AI and automation is going to take the jobs that they were on track to be able to get. And that is what scares me more than anything else. Autonomous driving is going to take away Uber and Lyft. So these kids that are struggling to get a regular job that want to go drive a car, guess what happened when Tesla and Uber and Lyft start having um, unmanned vehicles? What happens when 3.5 million trucking jobs around the United States are depleted because companies like Amazon have self-driving vehicles? We're not using the foresight to understand the challenges that are being committed now, and I think that's going to cause a much greater problem. Daniel, last one for you, brother. Give our listeners here your closing message so they can know, go out and vote for you. What you want them to know. Listen to the boss message here today. Listen to you because you've been great with your time. I want people to hear you. You hear, you hear your final call or action and to do it here. So, Daniel, the floor is yours, my brother. In the 140-year history of the Public Service Commission, there's never been an African-American elected, and we can change that on January 5th. Um, in 20 years, in almost 20 years, a Democrat has not held a statewide constitutional office. We can change that on January 5th. Um, as I stated earlier, Georgia has the fifth highest electric rates in the United States and the eighth highest utility rates. Why is that important? Um, a parent's income should never determine their children's outcome. A senior citizen on a fixed income um, should never have to make an adjustment to choose between their medication and their light bill. But the decisions, the decisions that have been made by our Public Service Commission has unfortunately put our community in a position to not know what to do or how to fight back. 
COVID-19 has showed us how much of a lack of infrastructure we have in the United States and in areas like Georgia, especially rural, coastal, and mountainous parts of our state that many of us call home. Of the 10.7 million people in Georgia that call Georgia home, 1.9 million of those people are living at or below the poverty line. What I want people to know from me is I don't say those numbers and statistics because I've stayed up all night reading a book. I've said that because I've traveled around this state. I've spoken to people. I've eaten in their homes. I've gone to their businesses and I've seen the faces of their children that know they're in poverty, but are trying to keep the right face because they're just trying to make sure that they can stay together as a family. If I weren't running for public service commission, I would be on the front line of voter registration, education, mobilization, and I'd be in every single community with my mask on and some gloves, making sure that I was helping out people that were less fortunate than me and my family. On January 5th, your vote elects a person that's not going to run away from his responsibility, that's not afraid of big utility companies, that's not afraid of, of corporate money, which is why we have taken no money from corporate interests, because we don't believe we should be taking money from people that have a direct impact on profitability and your lack of being prosperous and successful in your own house. My name is Daniel Blackman. I'm running for Public Service Commission because I believe that people's voices need to be put back in government and people need to be able to rely on folks that are gonna do their job and be accountable and not disappear between elections. When you elect me on January 5th, we're going to be able to work extremely hard to build the kind of state that all of us can be proud of that does not leave counties behind outside of the metro Atlanta region. So thank you all so much for your time, your work. I hope I've earned your vote. I hope I've earned your respect. Please go to DanielForGeorgia.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-F-O-R and then Georgia, G-E-O-R-G-I-A.com. And you can learn how to volunteer with our campaign. You can learn how to contribute to our campaign. You can learn about me. And more importantly, you can email me at DanielBlackman at DanielForGeorgia.com. That goes directly to me. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. And brother boss man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your leadership and I am not playing. You keep on calling me and I'm taking you on the road with me, man. Hey, Daniel, I would love to, brother. Hey, I'm for you, and folks, I'm voting for Daniel, Rafael Warnock, and John Austin. You do the same, people. Vote for these three great Georgians who will lead us to a greater Georgia this year and beyond. Daniel, hey, thank you for your time, brother. This was fun and great, man. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right, folks. Daniel Blackman on the Boss Man Show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.